Now, before we begin our time, I want to say happy Mother's Day to the moms of WBC. Uh, I know that motherhood, I know that because I'm married, and happy Mother's Day, Jacqueline. I just wanted to say that to you. Love you, sweetie. But motherhood is a noble calling, and it produces a ripple, a ripple effect of grace within the home, and that is certainly true. And uh, so moms know that at WBC, we are uh, just grateful for you, and we are encouraged that our Lord would call you to such a task, the task of motherhood. It's a, it's a noble calling, and I pray that your hearts would be encouraged today. So happy Mother's Day to you. If you have a copy of God's Word near you today, uh, we're going to be in a familiar text. And this is a text that's possibly one of the most well-known uh, texts in the Bible. It's certainly a text that, that resonates deeply in all who delight in the works of God. But it's also a text that uh, for those who have nothing to do with God, they know about this text. It's a text that also resonates within the culture. Our text today is Psalm 23. Now, as you're turning to Psalm 23, I would guess that many of you, again, are familiar with this text and maybe possibly you've committed it to memory. And today we're going to take some time to read through our text because it's such a familiar text. Now, you know, and, and, and I know, when it comes to familiar things, there's, there's a tendency for us to lose our sense of wonder and awe toward them, right? There's a, there's a tendency for us to fall into that lane where we become no longer uh, captivated by the familiar. We, we become indifferent to the familiar. We become unimpressed with the familiar. And unfortunately, that very thing can happen with scripture. Now, what I'm not going to do is ask you to raise your hand to, to see whether or not you've experienced that, because I don't want your spouse to look at you sideways when you raise your hand. I don't want to create that awkwardness within the home. But again, we know that this indeed can happen with scripture. So what we're going to do, we're going to take some time to read our text. And as we read our text, we're going to be fully present in a familiar text. And while we're fully present in this familiar text, we wanna take it in afresh this morning. So let's take some time to read Psalm 23. It reads, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your, your, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. There are such rich truths contained in this psalm, and I, will, I want to spend some time this morning making 
three observations that will help us to get our arms around this familiar text. And then I want to make two applications for us to, to live from this week as it pertains to the text. So the, the first observation, let's jump into it. Uh, we know that Psalm 23 is attributed to King David, and there's, there's much about David's kingship that points forward to Christ. We see in 2 Samuel 7, but also in uh, 1 Chronicles 17, it speaks to David's greater son who will rule on the, th- on, on the throne of an eternal kingdom, right? Those are known as the Davidic covenant. And with this psalm, there is certainly difficulty in, in classifying it. Uh, within the psalms themselves, there are psalms of lament and psalms of praise. But this psalm doesn't quite fit into those categories. But what's clear about this psalm is that it reads as a psalm of confidence. And this psalm focuses on the demonstration of loyal love by our Lord and the delight of the faithful in that love. But the first observation that I want to make this morning has to do with the placement and position of Psalm 23. Again, the placement and position of Psalm 23. What precedes this particular psalm is Psalm 22. And Psalm 22 is a messianic psalm. It speaks to the suffering of Christ and the glory that followed. Psalm 22 is a psalm of the cross. It opens with, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why are you so far off from saving me from the words of my groaning? Psalm 22 is prophetic in nature because this is a text that's fulfilled by Christ during the crucifixion in the Gospels. And when we consider the fact that Psalm 22 precedes Psalm 23, the point that I want to make is that the loyal love demonstrated by our Lord in Psalm 23 It comes by way of bloodshed on our behalf in Psalms 22. Again, the the loyal love that's been demonstrated by our love, by, by our Lord in Psalm 23, it comes by way of bloodshed on our behalf in Psalms 22. It was Charles Spurgeon that was very helpful in reminding us of this. When we consider the relationship of Psalms 23 to Psalm 22, He says, the 23rd Psalms comes after the 22nd Psalm, which is the Psalm of the Cross. There are no green pastures or still waters on the other side of Psalm 22. It's only after we've read, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me, that we come to the words, the Lord is my shepherd. We must, by experience, come to know the value of bloodshed and to see the sword awakened against the shepherd until we're able to know the sweetness of the good shepherd's care. And again, I want to draw out this this first observation because we need to wrap our, our arms around this psalm. And the observation is that the loyal love of God in Psalms 23 is inextricable to the bloodshed on our behalf in Psalms 22, and we don't want to minimize that because because central to what we delight in comes by way, comes by way of bloodshed. 
central to what we delight in, comes by way of bloodshed. So the placement and position of Psalms 23 is our first observation. And let's consider the second observation this morning. Now, we need to make note that within this psalm, there are some comparisons that are made by David that, that within the psalm that, that affect the, the, the tone and the, the feel of the text. And our second and third observation are going to highlight those comparisons. And in the very first verse of Psalm 23, David invokes the name of God in a radical fashion. And he opens with five words. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. Again, the Lord is my shepherd. And this is the second observation of Psalms 23. And it's that the Lord is a shepherd. Again, the Lord is a shepherd. Now, you're probably tempted to say to me right now, as you're talking to the screen, you're probably tempted to say, come on, Marcel. Everybody and their mama knows that the Lord is the shepherd, right? Everybody knows that. We know that because we, we see it. We see it within the culture. People walk around with tattoos on their body. They've got the uh, tattoos of Psalm 23. I see them in Walmart, right? We know that the Lord is a shepherd. But this morning, I want us to consider afresh how remarkably weighty this statement is. Again, consider afresh how remarkably weighty this statement is. Because I think our, our familiarity with this psalm makes it tempting for us to give it a cursory read. When we give it a cursory read, we, we overlook the depth of beauty in what was just said. The Lord is shepherd. David is saying that Yahweh, the sovereign God of creation, the I am, is a shepherd. Marinate on that this morning. Marinate on that this morning. Marinate on it this morning as you meditate on this observation. It's a remarkable statement. I like how Mark Altrog slices this up for us. He says, in, in the opening lines of Psalm 23, David makes an astounding claim. The Lord, the creator of the galaxies, and the one who commands the armies of heaven, the one who knows the name of every star and the location of every single grain of sand, the one who alone has infinite power, who's the sovereign over history, in every detail of our lives, the one who gives life to every creature from kings to single-celled amoebas, this Lord is my shepherd. Again, marinate on that this morning. David is making an iconic statement here, but it's also a fascinating comparison. A fascinating comparison. And I say that because shepherding isn't glamorous work. Shepherding certainly takes a, a strong blue-collar work ethic to get the job done, but shepherding was often viewed as a job for the lower class. It's not glamorous. And certainly David is qualified to make this claim because we know that David has experience as a shepherd, specifically when we consider 1 Samuel 17, verses 34 through 35. He and Saul are having a dialogue. David says, 
what's up, Saul? Saul says, what's up, David? David goes, hey, Saul, you know I used to be a shepherd. Saul was like, for real? Tell me about that, David. David says, hey, you know, I, I was keeping sheep, and while I was keeping sheep, you know, predators would come on the scene, and, and Saul said, Oh really? Keep going, David. And David was go. David would go. Well, and when the shepherds, and when the sheep, I'm sorry, when the predators came on the scene, they would take the sheep. And when they took the sheep, you know, I would put in work. I'm paraphrasing. <laughs> Hopefully, you are you are following along in First Samuel 17, verse 34 through 35. And I'm going to read it for you because I just I just paraphrased it, right? But let me read it for you. It says, "But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep." For his father. And where there came, when there came a lion or a bear, and, and they took the lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. So my paraphrase wasn't too far off, but you get the point here. David has experience as a shepherd. He understands that shepherding is not a casual understand, uh, undertaking. He recognizes that it takes vigilant care, vigilance to care for sheep. Vigilance. He went after the predator, grabbed it by its beard, struck it, and killed it. But we don't want to miss that while it, certainly it takes vigilance to, 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 to care for sheep, this, this vigilance is also accompanied with intimacy. It's accompanied with, it's personal. It's highly intimate, it's highly personal. And as David is using this, this intimate and personal metaphor to describe the Lord, this is a reality that needs to settle and take root in our hearts. The shepherds care for his sheep, for you and I, it is intimate, and it is personal. It is vigilant. And isn't, isn't it so true that when we, when we read through Psalm 23 and we arrive at that verse, that, first, that very first verse, the Lord is my shepherd. Isn't it so true that every treasure that we encounter in this psalm, it flows from the reality of the God shepherd who lives with his flock. It flows from the reality of the, the God shepherd who is intimate and personal with his flock. This God shepherd is everything to that flock. He's their guide. He's their physician. He is their protector. The Lord, my friend, is a shepherd. The Lord, my friend, is a shepherd. Now let's consider the third observation. We, 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 we saw the, we took some time to consider the position and placement of Psalm 23. We also saw within the first verse that the Lord is a shepherd. And I mentioned before that the second and the third observation, they do come by way of comparison. And we see in verse five specifically, we see the scene change. It goes from the pasture to the banquet hall. And verse five reads, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. And this is the third observation. 
And it's that while the Lord is indeed a shepherd, he is also a gracious host. The Lord is a shepherd, but he is also a gracious host. Now, in this section, David is reflecting on how the Lord provides for all of his needs, even in dangerous circumstances. And before we read this too quickly, what we don't want to do is make this about us. We don't want to make this about us flexing on our haters. That's not what this passage is saying. Because within this comparison, we don't want to miss what's at the heart of, of the picture that we're given here. David is able to sit down and have a celebratory meal in the presence of his enemies. And this paints a, a wonderful picture of safety and security. That's what we don't want to miss. David is safe and secure. But how does he land there? Because he realizes that to be a guest in the Lord's banquet hall is to be more than an acquaintance that's been invited for one day. To, to be a guest in the Lord's banquet hall is to live with him because his guests live with him. And not only do his guests live with him, his guests are family. His guest is family. And what this implies for us is that true safety and security is found in no one but the shepherd. True safety, true security is found in no one but the shepherd. If we're looking for safety and security outside of the shepherd, we distrust his heart. If we're looking for safety and security outside of the shepherd, we, we're distrusting the fact that he's, he really is good. If we're looking for those things outside of the shepherd, we distrust the wisdom of the shepherd. My friends, the Lord is a gracious host. And, and he invites us to dine with him, to be satisfied in him and by him and through him. And this observation reminds us that the true safety and security can never be found in a government a task force. True safety and security can never be found in health. It can never be found in wealth. It can never be found in social status or education. True safety and security is only found in the Lord. It's only found in the Lord. So we have our three observations. We see the, the placement and position of Psalm 23. We see the, 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 that the Lord is a shepherd. But we also see that the Lord is a gracious host. And these observations, again, they're, they're helpful for us. This is such a familiar text. It's helpful for us because it helps us to get our arms around the text and to understand it. But now what we want to do, we want to take some time to go to two applications that we can live from this week regarding the text. And we're going to just launch into the first application. The first application is that because the Lord is our shepherd, we can display confident trust in his wisdom over our lives. Let me say that again. Because the Lord is our shepherd, we can display confident trust in his wisdom over our lives. 
And this is our first application because in, we, we know through, throughout the psalm, we see David describing the vigilant care of the shepherd toward the sheep. We see his vigilant care in the pastures. We see his vigilant care beside still waters, but also in him leading them in paths of righteousness. But it doesn't stop there because that same shepherd who is vigilant in those other three domains, that same shepherd leads them through the valley shadow of death. It's here I want to say that before Kanye came out with Jesus Walks With Me, David was already lyrically tight with it. He was already lyrically tight with it. Now, now, now we know that, that life without a doubt is filled with pastures and valleys. Life is filled with pastures and valleys. And it doesn't take much for us to think back on the pastures that we've experienced and the valleys that we've experienced as well. And even now, as we're going through this COVID pandemic, many of us are becoming acquainted with the hostilities of the valley, some hostile things in the valley. But for those who belong to the shepherd, we know that he is the sovereign ruler over the th on the throne. And because he's the sovereign ruler on the throne, God is sovereign over my pastures and he is sovereign over my valleys. Again, God is sovereign over my pastures and he is sovereign over my valleys. And we realize that the dark valleys are as truly one of his right paths as are the green pastures. Let me say that again. The dark valleys are as truly one of his right paths as are the green pastures. Family, because of who the shepherd is, we can rest in his wisdom through the valleys. Because of who the shepherd is, we can, we can be assured of his goodness through the valleys. Because of who the shepherd is, we can rely on his strength, especially as we face life's ever-changing terrain. We can, we can trust the wisdom of our shepherd. We can be confident in it. And this brings me to the second application. Saw that the first application is that we can certainly trust the, uh, we can display confident trust in the wisdom of our shepherd. The second application is that because the Lord is our shepherd, we know that we are never abandoned or alone. And I know that's something that we say often in, 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 in our circles. We are never abandoned or alone. And that, but, it's, but it's true. We, we really are not. We, we really aren't abandoned or alone. And I love how David echoes this reality in verse 4. If you go to Psalm 23, look at verse 4. He says, for you are with me. And dear friends, this is a statement that, 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 that's a theme within Scripture. It stretches across the pages of Scripture. We see it in Genesis 28 where God introduces it to, to, to Jacob. We see it in Exodus 3, verse 12, where uh, God says that very thing to Moses. Then we also see that very promise, that very statement in Matthew chapter 28. It's a promise that Jesus offers, that Jesus renders, that Jesus submits. 
God is with us. We are not abandoned. We are not alone. And it's in David's greatest time of need in verse 4 that he's reminded of this truth. And he realizes that he's not abandoned because the Lord is his shepherd. He is not abandoned or alone. And and, And beloved, because the Lord is our shepherd, neither are we. Because the Lord is our shepherd, we are not abandoned. We are not alone. Now, those, those two applications and the observations, uh, again, the, 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 the intent was for us to really wrap our, our arms around this text. It's a familiar text. And the applications were such to where the, the, the hope is that, that we're able to meditate on this passage and live from those, those applications this week. And these are things that we certainly need to be reminded of, displaying confident trust in the wisdom of God, knowing that because the Lord is our shepherd, that we are never alone. My, 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 my hope for us this week is that we would take some time to reread this, this passage, to, to revisit it, and that we would meditate on this psalm. But as we meditate on this psalm, that we would, see, we would see it afresh through the lens of the gospel. Again, see this psalm afresh through the lens of the gospel. That we would see how, how Jesus uniquely fulfills Psalm 23. And that Jesus, he's that shepherd. He's the good shepherd in John 10 who, who lays down his life for the sheep. And he lays it down on our accord on his own accord, on our behalf. Again, he lays it down on his own accord, on our behalf. He's the gracious, he's the gracious host who's, who's gone to prepare a place for us in John 14. And my prayer is that the riches that are baked into this text, because there's so much that's baked into this text, that it would be a source of comfort for us this week. But not only would it be a source of comfort for us this week, that it would also confront where, where we're prone to seek security, safety, and significance outside of the shepherd. Might, might it confront us in that way? And I pray as we end that we would live in Psalm 23 this week, such a, such a rich psalm, and that we would trust the wisdom of our shepherd, delighting in his great love, that great love that he has shown to his people. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful for the love that you've shown us through Christ. We are grateful that we can affirm that you are our shepherd. And because you're our shepherd, we know that we have everything we need because we have you. Grow us in these things. Mature us in these things as well, Lord. Grow in us a heart of gratefulness for what Christ has accomplished for us. I pray that in your mighty name. Amen.